to us, uh, sustainability means being devoted to craftsmanship. So making quality products that last and can be passed down through the generations, operating with a transparent supply chain from how brands source ingredients or raw materials to good working conditions with no child labour, using natural materials and natural ingredients without toxins and chemicals. It's about being mindful of recycling, upcycling, regeneration and reduction of waste, embracing renewable resources and preserving the environment. And it's also about contributing to make the world a better place. So it's been more than a profit-driven operation. That's Susan Stevens, founder of Made With Respect, a New Zealand-based online platform that partners with designers from all over the world to support and promote sustainable business practice. I'm Lau and this is the Sustainable Jungle podcast where we speak to incredible people making change for the better. In this episode with Susan, Joy covers her motivation and her journey the key values of her online platform, what constitutes a sustainable brand, what are some of her favorite brands, and her thoughts on making the world a better place. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode at sustainablejungle.com forward slash podcast. I give you Susan Stevens. Susan, hello and welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get stuck right in with a bit about you. Where were you born and where did you grow up? Hi, Joy. Uh, thanks, firstly, for having me on your podcast. So I was born and I live in New Zealand with my husband. I have three children, two girls and a boy. I, uh, I've traveled extensively in my 20s with my husband. I visited many countries throughout Europe, UK, Africa, Asia. Uh, we visited the US and, of course, um, around Australasia. Uh, and from my travels, I've been inspired by many vibrant cultures and contrasting landscapes. In terms of uh, my personal time, I've always loved spending time outdoors at the beach, and now with our children, we spend almost all of our free time in the water surfing. Uh, and if there's no surf, you'll generally find us at the skate park. I have a, I, I have a huge appreciation for our environment, for the ocean, for the wildlife, and a passion about protecting, helping to protect it. And I think that comes from my travels as well as um, living in a country where, um, yeah, we, 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 get to, we have beaches on our doorstep. Yeah, absolutely. New Zealand's one of those places where environment is at the forefront of most people's minds, much, much more so than many other countries. Just because you have such amazing, you know, nature on the doorstep and accessibility is awesome there. Yeah, we do. We're very lucky. How much do you think that's influenced your path? Yes, I mean, obviously, you know, in terms of New Zealand and, and, and living in a beautiful country um, is something that uh, I want my children to uh, be able to, to to experience and for it to be as pristine as it is now. But really, um, in terms of uh, the path that I'm on, on now, I probably have to sort of take look at really what's happened previously in my um, in my work environment. So the journey really started for me um, when I left behind a successful corporate career and having climbed the corporate ladder within the media industry, I found myself working under a senior manager who, where I experienced a very suppressive work environment. It enforced um, the importance for me on empowering and, enable, and enabling others, having been severely disempowered and disenabled. I walked away from a high paying salary uh, in search of a more meaningful work life. So that was a wee while ago. In 2014, I launched my first business 
and I was working with artisan brands and overseas suppliers. You know, working with them, I saw firsthand the transparency uh, and, and in some cases lack of in supply chains and the difference in quality between mass production versus craftsmanship. And really that was the stepping stone for me to make respect and supporting purpose-driven businesses and making it easier to, to, to find these sustainable brands that had these transparent uh, supply chains and that did support tr- real craftsmanship, you know, instead of just spitting out products for the hell of, sp- of making them and, you know, not really paying attention to uh, design and, 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 and longevity and the quality of it. That tied in with living in a great country and having travelled around the world and seen um, lots of amazing things and lots of amazing scenery and wildlife, trek gorillas in Africa and swam with dolphins, etc. Yeah, wow. Whereabouts did you see the gorillas? We trekked them in, in Uganda. Oh, Uganda. Oh, we went to Rwanda in 2016 and, and saw them there. It was amazing. Definitely like yeah. a top five moment in my life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Seeing them in their natural environment. Yeah, just being able to interact with them in a complete, you know, on in that space where they are comfortable and they are they're amaz- an amazing, amazing creature. Yeah, it's truly humbling. I found it, you know, quite humbling. That experience being sort of eyeball to eyeball with one of those big silverbacks was <laughs> quite the quite the yeah. um, quite the experience. Yeah. Uh, now I was going to ask you about the which you've already alluded to quite substantially around the you know starting to get the sense of um, transparency being important, craftsmanship being important, and so on. So that sort of developed into this passion for supporting sustainable brands and and brands with purpose, as you say. Could you articulate why this became important to you? Through, through my experience over the past few years, it, it made me aware of the negative impact that we have as consumers on the planet. And that combined with perhaps it's an age thing um, <laughs> as well, where as you, you know, as you get older, I, you know, you do get wiser. And I think you under, I came to understand what was really important. Uh, where once I used to chase bigger paychecks and, be, and better work titles, uh, now those things aren't what drive or inspire me anymore. Um, my husband, my children, and li- living a more meaningful life is what inspires and drives me. And you know, for me to be able to create a business that makes a difference while supporting and enabling others who have a shared vision, you know, that's um, that's really been the foundation of it. You know, money, it's important and it makes life easier, but I think you can get into a really vicious cycle of always wanting more and never being satisfied. And I've come to realize that, you know, when you're always striving for more things, um, that's not what fulfills us. And buying more stuff to fill our wardrobes and our, and our homes that we, you know, things that we don't need, it not only destroys our planet, but it, it actually doesn't make us any more content. Perhaps fleetingly, you know, when, when we first buy it, we might feel good about ourselves, but it lasts for such a short time until we desire the next best or latest thing. So, you know, for me now, it's about chasing experiences. And I think working in the sustainability space, I'm able to give my voice to those things that don't have a voice, like our oceans that are getting strangled by plastic. And, you know, I see it that any positive impact I have as a result of the work I now do, you know, that has to be a good thing. Okay, so tell me what is made with respect? So we are two things. Uh, We support socially conscious, purpose-driven businesses. Made with Respect makes it easier for consumers to find and buy quality sustainable brands across different categories, fashion, self-care, homeware, outdoor. Um, Plus, 
through mwr.movement, which we do via our social media feeds and I also blog, write blogs, um, we're educating and informing consumers that beautiful products shouldn't cost the earth. So, you know, it's about informing people why we need to make more conscious decisions and the impact, both negative and positive, that our behavior has on our planet. Yeah, very cool. So now I had a look at the at the website and you've come up with a very clear framework which articulates sort of your, your mission and your values and, and what you look for in a sustainable brand. Maybe you can walk through what a sustainable brand actually is, perhaps using that four pillar framework on the Made With Respect website. Firstly, I actually stumbled across a quote recently by Anne-Marie Bonneau, I'm not sure if I said her name right there, but um, she's a zero waste chef in California and I've never met her but I just stumbled across her quote and uh, I, it resonated really strongly with me and I think it, 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 it's well aligned to what we do at Made With Respect and, and that quote was, we don't need a handful of people doing zero waste perfectly, we need millions of people doing it imperfectly and so at Made With, at Made with Respect um, we don't expect brands we partner with to be perfect. Uh, I think it's 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 unrealistic to expect anyone to be perfect, yeah. but we do expect them to be conscious of how they behave right throughout their supply chain, operating economically because they have to be a sustainable business in themselves, whilst also integrating social and environmental policies into their operations. So to, to us, uh, sustainability means, as you said, our, our pillars, which is being devoted to craftsmanship, so making quality products at last and can be passed down through the generations, operating with a transparent supply chain from how brands source ingredients or raw materials to good working conditions with no child labour, using natural materials and natural ingredients without toxins and chemicals. It's about being mindful of recycling, upcycling, regeneration and reduction of waste, embracing renewable resources and preserving the environment. And it's also about contributing to make the world a better place. So it's been more than a profit-driven operation. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a lot of stuff to get right. One thing, one thing that really stuck out to me, you know, having spent quite a bit of time looking at this sort of thing, when I want to personally buy products, is the, is the point about devoted to craftsmanship, because you don't often see that. You often see the, the sort of transparent supply chain and the, the natural materials have become quite big recently. Um, yes. You know, like I think if you look back on the ethical movement originally, it was all about supply chain and working conditions. And now recently it's moved into materials with the awareness around plastic and so on. But the devoted to craftsmanship is is so critical, I think, because we're losing, you know, such amazing skills and talent. And also, similarly, we're not we're not getting the quality products. We're getting things that, you know, we can chuck away. Like, for example, I bought a pair of um, these like Bluetooth headphones for running. And they've lasted three months. And I was so disappointed because it's just mm. like, how hard is it to make a pair that lasts, you know? Mass-produced products are generally, generally you know, we're not seeing them, seeing them being made to the same level of quality that, that they were in years gone by. So that when the next model comes out that, you, you know, you're ready to update because what you've got is not only becoming obsolete but it's stopped it's not working as well as it used to yeah. so yeah um you know i mean you think back to when when we were children and you know you'd buy your parents would buy something and it would last for years and years and years and you know you tend things tend to not have the same lifespan that they they perhaps once did so yeah i mean the amazing thing about the brands that we work with is you know they all um devoted to that craftsmanship and in, in many cases they're working with with 
within communities that this is their this is their tradition and it's been handed down through the years from generation to generation and they're keeping that alive. Yeah, that's so special, isn't it? I mean, how much better would it be to have a house full of very limited but beautiful and functional uh, products that will last you your whole life that you love and cherish than you know hundreds of pieces of junk that are only going to last a couple of years. I mean, it's, a, it's such a no-brainer when you think about it. Absolutely. Maybe you could bring some of these four pillars to life by uh, giving us a couple of examples of the brands that you're most proud to stock and what makes them sustainable. Look, I think all our brands are amazing. But yeah, but look, oh, there's a couple that certainly stand out for me. Alvis and Kreas, I think they're a shiny example of a sustainable business. They are based in the UK. They were set up in 2005 uh, to help solve the problem of material ending up in landfill. Uh, they started with London's decommissioned fire hoses, up, upcycling the material they they were um, then ethically handmade by craftsmen, so, and, and that was made into sustainable luxury leather bags and accessories, which are quite unique. Since 2010, none of UK's decommissioned fire hoses have gone to landfill. What? That's really cool. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, they've solved London's fire hose waste problem. Uh, they took on an even larger problem, um, recently with um, leather waste. So there's 800,000 tonnes end up in landfill each year. So in 2007, they partnered with um, out the Burberry Foundation to help tackle their leather waste. And since that partnership, Alvis and Chris have saved over 200 tonnes of material going to landfill. Oh my goodness, that's really yeah. impressive. They also reclaim parachute silk, auction banners, printing blankets. They, they run their workshop on renewable energy. And on top of that, they also donate 50% of their profits to fifty percent of their profits to charity. Oh man, they sound like leading edge, super cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. With amazing products that are really, you know, that you are pr- you know are proud to own. Oh, amazing. How do you spell that? So Elvis. Elvis, like Elvis, Elvis. Elvis? As a, yep, and Chris, K R E S S E. Okay, wow, very cool. Another one that um, we've got is, it's pronounced Aure, which is Latin, but it's actually spelt A-U-R-A-I. They are a swimwear brand based in New Zealand. Natalia is Brazilian slash Brazilian, but she lives in New Zealand now. And um, she works with a new generation of products and materials, inc- including Econol, which is 100% regenerated nylon, nylon that's made from recovered fishnets, old carpets, and other industrial components. And also Amnisol Eco, which is a biodegradable fiber. So traditionally, a polyamide fiber takes decades to disintegrate, but the Amnisol Eco yarn that she uses biodegrades by 50% in just over one year, and it's estimated that after 28 months it will biodegrade by 100%. Econol's a really interesting one. I have, I've heard of that before. There's quite a few swimwear brands starting to use it now, which is really cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the other great thing about Aure is they're working alongside two NGOs, that, which is aligned to the preservation of the o- ocean, and they're supporting cancer rehabilitation with a mastectomy-friendly 2019 collection. So, you know, this is just another example of they're already doing something great, but they, you know, they're, they're adding to that, um, adding, you know, further levels to the way that they, um, to, to what, what they're doing and how they're giving back. I would love for these brands maybe as a another element for them to start communicating. I, I often struggle to see uh, what the end of the life story is for a lot of these products, like um, especially sure. in the fashion industry, you know, like now that I've got this mindset, you know, of not consuming unless it's like really special and really nice. Um, and I really need it, of course. 
I've got all this old stuff and I don't know what to do with it. You know, like there's, you know, where do you take, where do you take your things? Where do you take your old things? So I would love to see brands start to communicate the end of the life process for some of their stuff. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's a great idea. Um, you know, obviously you can always take things to op shops and, 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 and so someone else takes, takes them on and, and they have a new life. But that's a problem in itself and that the um, because we're consuming so much and we're buying so much, there's not enough people to um, to, to be taking it. It's almost, you know, so a lot of the op shops when they, they're getting it, they even though they've been it's been sent to them to, to have a new life, it's it often still will end up in, in landfill. So we, we kind of have to stop it at the front end as opposed to the back end. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you're trying to be, if you are, you know, being a really good consumer that's been really responsible and you're making sure that you're, you're, you really are wearing your products to the end of their life, you know, so for example, like, underwear that's got holes in them or socks yeah. that have got holes in them or something like that you can't take to a secondhand store. But this is where it come where buying natural fibers instead of the synthetic materials become really important. Because when we're out there buying, you know, if we're out there buying these polyester the polyesters and, and the synthetics because they're cheaper and then we we're bringing them home, and we're and you know there's the twofold. There's two reasons why you know they're, they're bad. But um, you know one of them is that they are byproducts of petroleum. Uh, they're non-biodegradable. Um, plus, during the wash cycle, the microplastic fibres are released into our waterway, and that ends up out in our shoreline, eaten by wildlife and fish, and it's polluting our food chain. So, um, so you know, the the if we're buying um, more natural, the fabrics are the better we, it is in terms of when they actually do come to the end of their life and they get they get disposed of or, or put into um, landfill or wherever. You know, the the synthetic materials aren't biodegradable, so they're not breaking down. And then, you know, they're releasing, when you're washing them, they're releasing these microplastic fibres. I'm embarrassed to say that I only recently realised that polyester was so awful. And I have all these, like, old work clothes that are, you know, polyester shirts and things, you know, because they're not, you know, you don't have to iron them as much and all that sort of thing. And now it's like, what do I, you know, what do I do with these things? But, uh, yeah, to your point, deciding to start to stop it at the front end um, makes so much sense going forward by choosing the materials really wisely of what you buy and, and you can buy you can buy bags that you can put um, you can put your clothes those sorts of clothes in which do um, help stop the microplastics from um, from being released in the in the wash um, cycle they because basically what happens is you know when we wash them they they've, they've broken down they're so small that they actually don't get collected by our waste water uh, treatment systems mm. so that's how they get filtered through so you can you can actually buy um, bags that you can put them in which which collects that um, you know sort of helps stop thing that getting into the uh, wastewater so the, the you know the thing about the the brands that we partner with you know they have got all these things you know they're mindful of the materials that they're using you know so all of that's built into it and I think you know that's why it's really important that we that we celebrate them and that we embrace them and support them because you know it, it starts at the very beginning with them it starts with their ethos it's what the brand is built on and it goes right through their design concept right through the production cycle and right through into the packaging of their products they do everything with sustainability and minimal waste in mind and you know these guys are the game changers and that's why we need to support them and that's why made, what made with respect is about it's about supporting them and making it easier to find them because there's amazing brands 
you know, that and they're scattered all over the world. And you know, when we are time poor, and uh, you know, we sometimes go with what's the easiest solution or the easiest uh, choice or what's most convenient. And often, what's most convenient isn't what's best for the environment. And now, obviously, you're super passionate about sustainability more generally. How how do you build sustainability into the sort of the day-to-day operations of Made with Respect? Yeah, so look, um, to ensure that we operate sustainably and in order to reduce our own impact on the environment, rather than holding our brand's products in a central warehouse, instead, our brands ship directly from their workshop to our customers, and there's no double handling of products and no additional packaging waste. And this was uh, this was one of many learnings that I got from my first business when I was representing the Artisan brands. They would send me their products beautifully packaged inside delivery bags, which I would unwrap. I would discard their packaging and I would repackage into my company's branded boxes and then into another delivery bag. And it just seemed so wasteful and completely unnecessary. So when I designed, developed this business model, it was like, well, how can we cut out that part of the process? How can we, can we make it so that, take it straight from the workshop to get it straight and get it straight to the customer? So, you know, that was one, that was a, was a big part of the operational side of it for me. My team, we all work remotely. And so we operate with really minimal overheads. It's essentially just ourselves and our laptops. And also made with respect as a member of 1% for the planet, which means that we donate a minimum of 1% total revenue to approved non-profit partners. Uh, who do essential work across six core focus areas, that being climate, food, land, pollution, water, and wildlife. But basically that means that, you know, every dollar that Made With Respect generates, we give back to the health of our planet. And, you know, it's, we're, very, we're very new and very young, so as we grow, we hope to be able to make more of an impact in that area as well. Yeah, I really resonate with 1% for the planet. I've been thinking about registering our little um, little media business with 1% for the planet. We're not making any money yet, um, and I don't know when we will, but it, it's something that's definitely on my mind to do. How have you found working with them? Look, you know, we are very much in the infancy as well. Yeah. Um, we having we only launched last September, so um, the, the 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 partnership is very new. But it's great. I mean, I wanted to. I've always wanted to have a business that gave back. You know, we we are much the same as as yourself in that. You know, our capacity to give back is um is is not very big at the moment. But um, you know, it's it's important for me that we had a business that was was able to do that and to give back. And what I liked about one percent for the planet is that. It, it was about the planet, you know, it wasn't, we weren't just being, I, I felt that, you know, we were able to be engaged on multiple levels um, because we're not just one thing. All the, the six core areas are really important to us um, and they all inter- interrelate with our brands and what we're, you know, our, our me- message. And just going back to your point about the operational and, and shipping directly from brands, that's genius. And it's a perfect example of of, of how sustainability can actually be more profitable as well, because presumably you don't have to now hold stock, you don't have to, you know, do all that middleman stuff that would have cost you in the past. Um, yeah, 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 and you know, like yeah, there's so many examples of that where clever design and building sustainability actually into the the your supply chain and your process actually works out better. And it also adds um, adds cost for the customer because you know when you have got um, additional when you've got other when you put other costs into the into the system, then you know they have to be they have to be paid for uh, by some way some way shape or form. So so yeah, so it cuts costs, which which means that we can keep costs lower. So as you just said, you you launched late last year or last year. Um, how's the uptake been so far? 
So we've had amazing support from the brands we partner with. We've launched, we, we launched with over 50 from around the, around the world and, um, you know, that, that, they've been hugely um, supportive of us. I've been grateful for the support that we've had from some media bloggers um, and other sustainability organisations who see us as an advocate for sustainability. So, yeah, you know, we, um, we want to continue to drive that. And, you know, as I said earlier, we, you know, we want to bring more brands on. We want to expand our offering. We, yeah, really, really um, make it a place that people want to come to. We actually, we did an interview last weekend with uh, an eco entrepreneur who said that building a business in the eco space is like triply hard. I can't remember what ratio he said, but it was like way harder than the average entrepreneur because you're swimming against the tide the whole time. Have you found that to be the case? Have you have you suffered any challenges so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> there's a few challenges. Um, firstly, like any starting up, uh, being a startup is <laughs> the biggest challenge because yeah. you're building a you're building a brand from the bottom up. So, you know, you don't have an exist when you buy an existing business, you buy an existing database of customers and and you have et cetera, et cetera. So so, you know, that those always there's always interesting challenges that come around. Um, you know, being a startup and, and having a brand that no one's heard of before, right, is a challenge for us. We're up against um, big corporates who operate on volume, mm. and so they can they can absorb their freight charges into their costs, and 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 generally they're able to offer free delivery, free you know worldwide delivery in some cases, or, or sometimes it's the you know it's a smaller um, rate that they that they apply. But because our brands design and produce in small batches, and in, and in some cases we have made to order, uh, they have the additional burden of high production costs. They're using quality materials and ingredients as well, um, and it's not a volume gain it's you know at all so um they don't have the luxury of, of absorbing freight like the big um, mass producing corporate companies do it's a real it's a real cost of doing business so we do need to charge our customers freight but we believe that it's worth it given that the pieces are buying a timeless they're outlasting trends and they are made to last plus there's that additional feel good bonus of knowing that when you you know when you're buying from them you're actually it's benefiting the planet yeah, for sure. I guess it's about communicating that key message, isn't it? It's, it's uh, yeah, to yeah. the consumer, which is yeah. not yet a mainstream thing. Yeah, and just sort of touching base on what you said earlier about, you know, being in that sustainability space, that is also, you know, very much a challenge that we face. Uh, it's uh, Although a lot of consumers are saying to understand the importance of sustainability and the role that it plays in our future, the actions of the majority aren't following through. Yeah. Um, you know, they're still defaulting to mass-marketed, mass-produced, cheap brands um, where, where corners are cut and profit drives every decision. Uh, and particularly when you've got heavily discounted prices and special offers, the, the tr- it triggers a sense of opportunity and urgency to consumers. And, you know, but the end result of that is low-cost, high-volume, imp- impulse purchasing and overconsumption of unnecessary products. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, yeah. If you just look at the fashion and the fashion industry um, in, its, in itself, 80 billion pieces of clothing are consumed globally every year. Huh. Uh, and, and most people only regularly wear 20% of their wardrobe. And when you think of you know what percentage of the population are actually buying those 80 80 billion, it's yeah. kind of scary. I know. I know. Well, you know, the, the total population 
is currently sitting at a, uh, about 7.5 billion. Yeah, it's a lot of clothes per person. And, you know, as you said, not everyone's able to be buying clothes. So, yeah, it's just the Western world that's sort of driving a lot of that. Yeah. Um, look, fashion is one of the largest industry polluters in the world. Um, and 20% of the water pollution comes from treating and dyeing textiles. It's also the most resource intensive industry. You know, you'll find that the fashion industry is with, they churn out up to 52 micro seasons per year. Mm. So, you know, it's really consumers are being encouraged to buy cheap, to wear a few times and to replace. I mean, that's the mentality of the of the fast fashion industry. So, you know, you, and, and that's not even adding to the fact that the packaging of these products, you know, that everything's sold in, it's predicted that only 2% of 78 million tonnes of waste packaging is recycled. Perhaps that is the perfect segue into my next question for you, which is what keeps you up at night? What our future looks like for my children and future generations, you know, that is something that, that, that does concern me. Our natural resources, water, air, soil, forests, wetlands, coastlines, you know, we've, we've made, they're our, they're our natural resources and the human race has made our home on this planet for centuries. But in more recent times, we've got an unquenchable appetite for more, for bigger, for better. And this is enormously destructive behaviour to have. The fact that our natural resources resources are at risk should be a major concern for everyone, especially as the population continues to grow. And, you know, our natural resources are not able to replenish themselves as quickly as, you know, at a quick enough pace to keep up with our consumption habits. I, I, I don't think a lot of people realise that we're currently living outside our means. It, currently, it's a rate of 1.6 planets that we are consuming the way that, that our consumption behaviour is. And by 2030, we will require two planets to provide the natural resources to sustain our current lifestyles. So, you know, we all know that there's no second planet. Yeah, but, you know, we, 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 there, there's no second planet. And, uh, and 2030 is not that far away. You know, it's, it's, it's quite scary that we, you know, we, we really need to um, make a choice. We really need to make a change. And, you know, if we, if we don't purposely change the way we behave and the way we consume, we will eventually have no choice but to adapt to whatever environment that we're left to live within. And that, that, that's not just to a select few. That includes every single one of us. Every single one of us will end up having to adapt to whatever environment that we are left with. Yeah, and actually, you know, the whole talk about m moving to Mars, <laughs> exploring Mars, there's water on Mars, all that stuff actually <laughs> yeah. just really freaks me out. Why are we Why yeah. are we even considering that instead of addressing the problems that we have at home? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite astounding. Somebody has gone, you know what, we need another planet and uh, <laughs> Mars could be it. <laughs> How about we just protect the one we've got? Yeah, exactly. It's it's really <laughs> yeah. not that hard. Yeah. So now you've taken the you've taken the path of using business as a as a mechanism for change. So what do you think? I mean, you clearly this is for something that's important to you, and this is the way that you've decided to to tackle it. What do you think the role of businesses like yours and the brands that you stock are in driving change? Firstly, I think change falls on everyone's shoulders, from consumers who drive demand and their consumption ha habits to businesses who design, manufacture and produce products. So, you know, it's it's not one or the other, it's all of us. But yeah, look, businesses, and particularly the ones that we have um, partnered with, it's about that they've already embraced working in the space. And I think all businesses need, need to now ultimately be looking at how they can work towards operating in a circular economy. And basically what we mean by a circular economy is it's an economic ecosystem uh, that aims at minimizing waste and making the most of resources. So um, as with our brands that we that we partner with, it starts at the design stage 
It's about reducing waste at all touch points. It's about ensuring that they've got the most efficient use of raw materials. It's about being aware of recycling, reusing, regenerating, and embracing renewable resources. And the end goal ultimately is about, you know, preserving the environment whilst also making money. (laughs) And, you know, we've got enough businesses around that have proved that you can be sustainable, you can operate sustainably and still make a profit. So, you know, there's no, you you know, people can't say, well, I can't be sustainable because I can't, I'm not going to make money. Um, You know, there's enough good businesses around now that have proven, proven that. Uh, and, and I suppose m- most businesses currently operate in a very linear economy where it's a make, use, dispose mentality. Um, and, you know, we can't keep doing that if we want to preserve the planet. Yeah. And even on the flip side, we recently had a really inspiring interview with this eco-entrepreneur who has a really optimistic view of the future. And he was saying, basically, if you're in this space now and you're a, a, a sort of a purpose-driven business that's driving change and you are putting all the mechanisms in place from your supply chain and so on um, to, to make the world a better place, you have a head start in what's going to be the next big wealth boom of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's that's where all the value is going to come from because we're just yeah. going to have to change so actually those that are getting in early are the ones that are really going to benefit from this yeah and I, you know consumers are already starting to look that you know they're already starting to want to know what happens behind the scenes and this will only um amplify yeah i hope so that'd be great mm. wouldn't it <laughs> Just hopefully that doesn't take too long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So speaking of timeframes, what ambitions or goals would you have for Made With Respect, say, five to ten years from now? Just in general, um, you know, I hope that the next ten years consumers won't want to be sustainable. They will be sustainable as long as well as businesses. And um, and that sustainability will, will not be considered a buzzword. It, it, it sustainability will be a way of business and a way of life. So, you know, my ambition for, for Made With Respect is that it becomes known globally as a destination for beautiful, sustainable brands, quality, sustainable brands from around the world. And through educating and informing consumers, along with, um, you know, collaboration projects with like-minded organisations, I hope that uh, Made With Respect plays a significant part in the solution to a healthier planet. And now you've already spoken about some super inspirational brands that you guys have on Made With Respect websites and that you stock and you partner with. But I'm curious, as we think of the doom and gloom of climate change amongst the other problems that we've chatted about, what projects, initiatives, businesses are you most inspired by out there? I don't think it's one particular personal project that that inspires me, given that I'm constantly inspired by the brands and people I'm surrounded with. I mean, all our brands, 1% for the planet, you know, there's so many there's sustainable organisations I'm talking to all the time. Um, there's so many people out there who are doing amazing things in this space and wanting to drive this drive sustainability forward. You know, that um, I'm just, it's a very inspirational space to work in just on a day-to-day, in my day-to-day um, work. Uh, and, you know, so and I suppose that the key thing is that it, it, sta- it absolutely starts with one person and with one organisation. And we need to realise that small changes each of us do does make a difference. And I think people can become overwhelmed and, you know, the mentality can then become how can one person possibly make a difference? But it's about how each of us collectively can make a significant and necessary impact when we come together. And I think that's what, you know, inspires me is that we've got there's a lot of people that I'm working with and we're all driving forward in the same direction with the same vision. And we just need to have we just need to um, amplify that and get uh, critical mass 
so that uh, we can really make a make a difference. And now to close, what's what's next for Med with respect over the coming years? We're concentrating on expanding our presence, um, cementing what we stand for, and to further support our brands. You know, it's it's important to me that we help them build their business and and get their names out there as well. And for you personally, is there anything that you're going to be focusing on from a sustainable living perspective that might give the listeners some inspiration? Yeah, look, I'm very conscious of all the choices I make. It's hard not to be when I'm immersed in the space and, and, and especially when you become more educated about something, you know, it just it opens your eyes up. And um, I'm, I'm not perfect um, and I would, you know, never intend to, to be perfect, but I'm for me it's about doing my best to be to do my part, um, you know, similar to, ha- to, to how I um, see our brands. So, you know, as a consumer, I always support Made With Respect's made with respect brands first so you know you'll find their clothes in our wardrobes mine my children's wardrobes um you'll find their beauty products in um our bathroom uh, i use a keep cup and i and reusable water bottle my children you know we always whenever we go somewhere we always use our drink bottle reusable drink bottles you know try not to you know buy them there's 50 billion plastic drink bottles consumed every year and for every 10 only two end up being recycled the rest go into our landfill or pollute our oceans and beaches so if we ever do have anything, it's always really important that, you know, we recycle it. You know, another thing I do is I always place the, just little things. I place lint in the rubbish bin rather than down the drain to avoid the mi- microplastic fibres from entering our, our ocean. Um, I recycle um, alarmingly. You know, this still scares me. Um, but if we ca- continue with the current rate of our plastic waste dumping um, and that's that's ending up in the ocean, and then um, it's predicted there'll be more plastic than fish in the sea by 2050. So, um, you know, that's 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 a huge um, a huge a huge concern. Um, I reuse. I buy quality. I always. My, I've always had a more is less mentality anyway through my entire life. So I tend to, I've always bought quality pieces and spent less. But, you know, I've got quality pieces in my um, in my wardrobe. I've got a dress that I was wearing yesterday that, uh, just a really simple dress, a black dress, work dress, and someone commented on it that it looked lovely. And I said, oh, my God, I've had this dress for longer than I've had my children and my eldest is <laughs> My artist is 12 years, but I, it's it's beautifully made. It's made of really good quality, um, and um, I re- I've rehemmed it. It used to be longer. I brought it up above the knee, and I've, I've got a whole new life out of it. Um, I've got same with heels, with my shoes. I buy quality shoes, and I'll rehem them. Um, so I'm not throwing – I don't feel like I'm always throwing my things out. Um, I, I like to try and give – buy quality things that I can give along and give them a longer life. And anything that we don't need or, you know, that we we, that we, we, we end up do, needing to get rid of, um, first, you know, always go to family and friends or they go to op shops and hopefully will um, will be reused. And just another stat for you, only 1% of the materials that thro- flow through the consumer economy are still in use six months after sale. Oh, shocking. It's a significant amount of waste, you know. Only 1% is still in you six months after sale. That's huge. Um, so, you know, the more that we can, the more that we can hold on to our, you know, just holding on to things for that a little bit longer makes a significant impact to, on the environment. And my, and this is most recently, as a family, we became aware of the impact that the agricultural industry has on, on our planet. So we made a conscious choice to eat more sustainably and eating less meat and dairy. The, the, the other area which is, is significant to us as well because it's in t- I see this in terms of helping to also guide my children in, in that we are very conscious of um, how we spend our free time. So, you know, we don't spend our spare time 
walking around malls, you know, seeing things that we don't need um, and buying them just because we're there, bringing them home and they end up sort of not using them and, and going into landfill. So as a family, we spend most our weekends and pretty much all of our free time in the outdoors and, you know, being grateful uh, for it and teaching our children a love of um, for nature and how be- the beauty of it. And, you know, we, we, we're at the beach surfing, we're skating. And, you know, the best thing about that is we're making amazing memories that we will cherish forever. Yeah, I'm absolutely convinced that time in nature, especially as a young kid, is is going to be critical to our future. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, I, I just see it's just such a waste of time spending in shops, you know, when you can be out there just really um, embracing life and, and doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, and I don't even know how we ended up there because it's it's just more fun being in nature and being outdoors. Absolutely. So yeah. how did we get to the point where it's, where you know, Humans think it's more fun being in malls and walking around. Yeah, I just, I just, I, yeah, I, I just don't see anything good about it. Whereas when you know you, you end up spending money that potentially you don't have, and you know we know that a lot of people have massive credit card debts, and we know that you know just in that, in that, um, a lot of people you know are spending money that they don't have before they have it and live from paycheck to paycheck. So you know it doesn't cost us anything apart from you know the the the, the getting from getting to and from the beach. And obviously, you know, you've got to buy the equipment. But once you've got the surfboard and the life, and the and you know, you've got your um, we we surf all summer and all winter. So you know, we use uh, wet wetsuits and good quality ones that keep us warm. But you know, once you've gone out and you've invested in that, they last you for for a long time, and it doesn't cost us anything. And we'll we'll spend a whole day at the beach, and you know, the kids are out in the in the in the fresh air and. And they're laughing and they're having fun. And I just don't think there's anything better than that. You just can't get any better. Couldn't agree more. Final, final question for you. Where can people find you? Where can they follow along and support the Made With Respect journey? So they can find us at madewithrespect.com where you can shop beautiful quality, sustainable brands. You can read my blogs on there as well. Uh, You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at mwr.movement. Perfect. Susan, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It's so refreshing and exciting to see that the market for sustainable brands is growing and being supported across the world. Yeah, look, I appreciate the time and thank you so much for um, having me. We hope you've not only found some inspiration to consume in a way that aligns with your values, but are also armed with the knowledge of what to look out for in this confusing marketing-driven world. If you found this of value, please do share it with someone who may also take something out of it. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time.